It's the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by loserpool.com. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition, we'll be reflecting on the news that Arsene Wenger's book is set to be uh, released next year, and we'll be getting Dan Mountney of the Islington Gazette's thoughts on all things Arsenal. Hello, good afternoon and welcome back to the podcast. I'm thrilled to say that I'm joined by Dan from the Islington Gazette this afternoon. Dan, thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me on, Harry. Really appreciate it. No problem, mate. The pleasure is all ours. Um, Dan, let's talk about the big news um, over the last couple of days. We all thought it was coming. We all heard sort of talks about it in the last couple of months or so. But we now know that Arsene Wenger's book is due to hit the shelves, if I'm not mistaken, in autumn of 2020. Um, I'm really excited about it. And and I guess it's because, you know, whilst I acknowledge that it was time for Arsene to move on, um, you know, for me, I, I went to my first game in 1996. Arsene is pretty much all I've ever known. Um, as an Arsenal fan, yeah. and I have huge respect for him. Incredible manager, done some wonderful things for the club. And I look forward to maybe getting a little bit of insight into some of the decisions that left us as supporters scratching our heads. How are you feeling about the book release? I'm excited for it, but I think, as you mentioned there, knowing what Arsene Wenger is like, it doesn't necessarily to be controversial that we're quite going to get some people are hoping for. I think it is still going to be a fantasy getting inside the mind of one of football's greatest in the He's The way he transformed English football when he first came to the club um, through the style of play, players' diets, attitudes, things like that. He's one of the best minds there has been in the past 20, 30 years in football, maybe you could say of all time. But yeah, I think in terms of revelations, I don't think we're going to get that many, but I think it's just going to be kind of a reflection on his time as Arsenal manager and insight into his mind. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think it's going to be overly controversial. I don't think there's going to be, you know, those those crazy stories that, you know, you do read in some other people's books. I do think, though, that Arsene will maybe try and take the opportunity to try and perhaps clarify a few situations and maybe add some, you know, further colour to some of the situations that we found ourselves in over the last few years, because, you know, it was often the case that we as supporters were getting on his back only. Uh, and that maybe wasn't quite right. When you think about the situation at the club and the way the club was being run, you know, I, I think he'd be silly not to take that opportunity to to settle some of those stories with some of the fans. But I totally accept what you're saying, because I think you're right. I don't think he's going to be the type of person to go out there and completely, you know, blow things out of the water and, and cause too much of a stir. Um, but, you know, for me, Arsene was an absolute legend. Do you agree that it was time that he did go when he did? Um, yeah, I think if anything, it came probably too late. I think what he should have done, obviously, I'm I'm a massive Arsene Wenger fan. I, I think any Arsenal fan would be silly to say that they aren't, but what he did for the club... But I think in terms of the timing of when he should have gone, when he won that FA Cup, either the first or the second one, obviously we won it two years in a row. I think that should have been the time when he said, look, 
I'm going to go out on a high. You know, we had the trophy drought. We had all of the that kind of decade of not really achieved. And I think he should have just taken that chance to go out on a high when he had it, um, rather than almost. I don't think he. Ru- I don't think in any way he ruined his reputation. I don't think anything, considering you know his first ten years in charge. But I think it. He 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 did put that at risk by staying those extra few years. He should have gone out on a high, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't disagree with you there. I think that you know, and and I guess you know, people that listen to this show on a regular basis will know that. I'm still on the fence about Unai Emery um, and that shows that, you know, it wasn't just a simple solution. It wasn't just a case of moving Wenger out the back door, bringing someone else in and everything was going to be great again. There clearly is still a lot of, you know, problems in this Arsenal side that need addressing if we are to, to get back in the Champions League and go up a level. What have you made of Unai Emery's tenure so far? Because I know this is the first time you've been on the show, Dan. So, just curious to, to understand where you're at with Unai Emery and how you think Arsenal have progressed under his leadership. Personally, I don't think Arsenal have necessarily progressed. I think you have to look at it in a larger context. So if you look at Sir Alex Ferguson and Manchester United, when Sir Alex Ferguson left, and ever since he's left, there's been kind of a sense of they've not achieved what they should have. There's not been stability. There's not been a clear kind of philosophy in a way. But with Unai Emery, we've not really had that issue so far, if you understand what I mean. We've kind of done what was expected to have been a short time scale, but there's not really been as many issues as there was at Manchester United. So, for example, you take David Moyes when he first came in and the, the kind of shambles that they're in then. We've not really had that with Unai. Works as a manager is a lot of analysis, tactical work, thinking and thinking and thinking and adapting and looking at opponents rather than maybe focusing on the team itself. Hence why there's been a lot of chopping and changing within the side. And I think he just kind of needs to find that first seven, that one that he wants to stick with. He knows is his best team. That's how we'll see progression. And he's obviously still wants to be his. There's been a lot of players gone in, come out. But I think there's still a few areas where he wants to stamp his mark and say this is a player I wanted this is my team what are your thoughts on the the Mesa Ozil situation I've been quite vocal in saying that whilst I acknowledge that Mesa hasn't always performed uh, to the best of his ability and at the level he should for Arsenal I, I can't get my head around this notion that he's not at least good enough to be in the 18 that we don't miss him sometimes because I think we do what is your take on this situation? Are you are you in Unai Emery's corner here? If indeed Messet's not showing the commitment in training, w- would you be freezing him out as well? What do you make of the whole topic? You mentioned the commitment in training. I think the issue is going on behind the scenes in training. We we know from the way kind of Unai is on the touchline and the way he works that he wants energy, he wants players who are going to run around and give 110%. You look at that clip from... The opening of Willock closes the ball and he goes back and wins in. You see Emery animated. That wants else in that creative element and G to get up, you know, really getting in around people. Um, I think I, I agree. Urzel should definitely be in the 18. I think if like Aston Villa, I think 
think he was on the bench for that game. Um, but still, in that position where you need to break down a defence that you want, him on the bench is some kind of problem between Emre and Meza Ozil and his attitude. He still needs to be there, an option that very few players in the world, let alone at the club, can provide. Yeah, I, I agree, agree. I, I definitely think that he needs to be there or thereabouts. And it's a shame that something like this is, has happened. And, you know, if it is something personal between the two, you know, we know that it's something to do with his commitment. We keep getting that line from the club. I guess we don't really know what the ins and outs of it are. And, you know, maybe we'll find out someday. But at this moment in time, it's very difficult to make a a firm judgment and to pick either side for me it's just a shame because we've got a very talented individual who I feel we could be using to our benefit at the moment and for whatever reason we're not and it feels like we're missing a trick we're not exactly um I don't know I mean I know people talk about Joe Willock and people talk about Danny Ceballos but you know Mesut Ozil is is a top top player and we don't have that many of those, I would say, aside from sort of the two centre forwards that we've got at the club, I think everybody else is sort of on that level just below. And that that's a real shame for me. I mean, let's talk about another player who has impressed this season and Matteo Genduzzi. Um Last season, I felt that he was slightly overrated. And I, I used to say that because I felt like he was still a little bit immature in certain situations. I feel like even now, sometimes he presses a little bit too much and that he gets caught out of position as a result of that, of his over sort of exuberance to get on the ball. He's made the golden boy shortlist, um, which is incredible. Um, it's it's, it's a, an award that's given by the European journalists for the best footballer under 21 playing in Europe. He deserves that, doesn't he? I mean, this season, I think he's been really, really good. Can you hear me, Dan? I can't, I can't really hear you at the moment, mate. <laughs> I think we just lost each other there. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I've got you now, mate. Sorry. That's all right. No problem. Connection issues. That's what happens when we do it live. Um, but just going back <laughs> to my point, just Matteo Genduzzi, are you happy that he's been uh, nominated for the Golden Boy Award? He deserves it, doesn't he? He's been. Obviously, him and Aubameyang are performers this season. I think it says a lot about how good he's been in the opening few games. The player of the month, rather than Aubameyang, who's you know been winning games on his own. Um, I think you you mentioned kind of last season and the issues they may have been having. I think one of his problems last season, he obviously wants to impress. You know, he's been thrown into the team when maybe he didn't be, um, and he, I think a lot of the time he wanted to be on the ball. And he maybe stayed on the bit away in areas where it was. But I think this season we've seen a lot about he's matured and, you know, he's using the ball well. He's driving the team forward. You look at that Villa getting, we would have won that game without him the way he drove, drove the team forward. And the same with Tottenham, I think we would have got. I think in terms of his positioning, which is important, he's. I think he's definitely more effective further forward rather than sitting in front of us. He's got a great range of passing but his ability to drive the team and that really stands him out above a few of the other midfielders at the club I think only really Joe Willock is someone to take the team forward with the ball at their feet 
Um, but yeah, it was this this uh, nomination obviously got a lot of competition from I think nineteen other really good footballers around the world, young football. But, but yeah, it should be a real honour for him getting nominated. Absolutely, and, and and at this point in his career, you know that's a huge achievement, and uh, you know he'll I'm sure he'll be very pleased with that. Been recognised internationally as well, um, you know, being called up to the French squad, which is massive. Um, so, you know, congratulations to Matteo Genduzzi and fingers crossed he'll progress even further in an Arsenal shirt. Now, Dan, got a question coming in live uh, from a regular listener, Melvin. He says, do you agree with me that although the jury is out, Ari Emery, we have improved the club's management structure. And in my opinion, that is more important than who our current coach is. What's your thoughts on that? Um, I completely agree with that. I think you look at the way business was done, not just in terms of the players that came in, but also the ones that went out. The Arsenal are moving in the right direction. You've got people like Raul Sinelli behind the scenes who's done brilliant in terms of bringing players in, other for Nicolas Pepe, um, who still kind of needs that time to adapt. I'm sure we'll discuss him at some point so far. Uh, getting the experience in of David Luiz, obviously he's still had a bit of a million pounds. He can't really argue against a deal like that. Um, and but in terms of the outcome of the players who in the past maybe would get more, who they wouldn't have let go, who they would have just let go for free. They would have let the contract run down, not played them. So someone like Takuma Asano, for example, never played first team game. But they managed to get, I think it was around £3 million for him. In modern football, £3 million isn't a lot. But when you're working on, as uh, Josh Conkier said, when you're working on a Champions League budget with the with the Europa League kind of funding, you know, you need that money. And I think Absolutely. that's kind of really shown... When Absolutely. Don't disagree with you there. Um, speaking of Nicolas Pepe, what what have you made of him so far? He's coming for a big price tag, which we, we have to clear up isn't his fault. That's obviously what the club were, were willing to pay for him. He's failed to impress so far, in my opinion. Um, there's been signs of, of him lacking confidence, I'd say. If you were Unai Emery now, would you stick with him or would you take him out of the firing line for a little bit and see see how he reacts to that? Well, you you mentioned there that he looks clearly a bit shot of confidence. But is taking him out of the team going to help? In my opinion, that makes it worse. Obviously, that he can't really help the price tag. Um, but I, I was tweeting about this. This is after the Man United game. I was writing him off, calling the board. We should have bought Zaha instead. I think you've got to look at it this way for a bit of context. He was at the African Cup of Nations in the summer, so he's had limited preseason. New club in a new country where he's never he doesn't really know anyone so he's still trying to learn the language he's still adapting every player needs that time to adapt and I tweeted this also you look at Thierry Henry when he first joined it took him I think it was eight games to score his first goal if if Twitter had been around when Thierry Henry took eight games to score his first (laughs) goal I think and what happened after that so I think yeah we just Got to give Pepe time. He's still got got to adapt. I don't know how long it's going to take. It's difficult to say, but we have seen flashes. It's just maybe the end product is lacking a little bit, and that comes with confidence. I think he scored for the Irish national break, which will obviously give him a boost. Um, and we'll just see how he how he does when he comes back. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think, I guess, I mean, I, I get your point about taking him out could kill his confidence completely. I, I think you've got a real valid point there. Uh, and I, you know, whilst I'd, if it was me, I'd be tempted to take him out just to stop that talk about him every week. You know, it's like we, we start a game and all eyes are on Nicola Pepe. We're waiting for him to deliver something. So, you know, on the one hand, maybe taking him out for a game or two could help, but you don't build confidence if you're not playing and you can't play your way back into form if you're not playing. So, you know, it's a, it's a really, really valid point. Um, got another question coming in live. We're going to be taking these questions as they come in. Um, so I'm going to be throwing these at you, Dan. So apologies for putting you on the spot. But this one is from Nick NW2. He says, do you think if we don't get Champions League this year, the board will sack Emery? That's a difficult one. Um, I can't say for certain whether I, I think they'll sack him really on the spot there. But I think he will be under a lot of pressure <laughs> considering, considering there has been that investment and that is what is expected. You know, it's it, the Arsenal finished the Champions League, maybe win the Europa League. That was what was expected last City way first season and you know they came quite close um but yeah i think he will be pressure if if champions league isn't achieved but personally i think i think they will do it i think you look at the struggles tottenham had at the moment i think their struggles are going to continue until they can revamp their squad chelsea have got a really young and experienced team with an inexperienced manager i think when it comes to crunch time they struggle man united obviously over their shoulders rather than looking up um but to be to be where we are at the moment, third, a point off Manchester City and second, the reigning champion, and is a really good position, especially he can not play that well. But is that? Would you say that's a reflection of, you know, of how bad those other teams have been, as opposed to us making progress? And would Arsenal finishing in the top four? in some ways, mask over the fact that, in actual fact, when you look at the end of Wenger's tenure and you look at Unai Emery's, there's been a slight progression, but maybe not enough. Will the board factor that in, do you think? I, I think, yeah, there's a long way to go. You know, we've still got 30 games left to go, so there's still time for improvement. There's new players come in. There's a lot of players come through from the academy. Academy, it's essentially a new squad if you look at left and what Emre has now. And I think he's going to need that time for them to bond as a squad, to gel as a squad, understand who he wants, who he doesn't want. And we've still got time for progression. You never know what might happen by the end of the season. We might cruise into the top four by 12 points comfortably and we might be hailing Emre as the next, next Arsene Wenger. You never know what's going to happen i hope i hope so <laughs> i do hope so um in terms of uh, the question that nick put to us it's been a couple of responses big hello to those watching us live and hello to those if you're watching the replay back later or you're listening via the audio brad says no matter what happens emery will go i believe melvin says it may rest on who is available and brad says venga is available <laughs> i don't think we'll be doing that again um <laughs> But, you know, I, I don't think there's any chance of that. Um, but let's um, let's talk about this leaky defence that we've got, because um, we were at the, I think it was the Nottingham Forest game where I saw you, wasn't it? 
yeah, yeah. Nottingham Forest game in the cup. Um, and Holding had returned. Tierney played. Bellerin was back in the team, came on for a little cameo role towards the end. And there was a real feeling around the place that, you know, we've got these guys back. Now we can move forward. Now, in my personal opinion, and this is just my opinion, it's not a fact or anything like that. I think that whilst Bellerin will improve us at right back, I think it wasn't too long ago that we were talking about Hector Bellerin as a bit of a suspect defender. Um, you know, Kieran Tierney looks good to me, but again, we need to see him for a run of games. We haven't really seen him defend in the games that he's been played in so far. And Rob Holding is very, very young and he's coming back from a very, very long-term injury. In your opinion, Dan, is there too much pressure on these guys now to come in and tighten up that defence? Because for me, I think our defensive issues are more systematic than the personnel necessarily. And I'm not convinced that we're all of a sudden going to be this solid defensive unit. I don't I don't think it will improve it. Obviously, you mentioned Bellarabi being a bit suspect. But I think we've seen him grow as a player and he's grown into a leader, which is important at the back. He's grown as that leader both on the pitch and off the pitch. Um, he's a really good representative for the club, who is going to be really important to Emery in terms of, of you know, leading that um, with the game. Um, and then and regarding holding, I think he probably is our best defender. It's hesitant saying that. <laughs> uh, it's just a case of we play alongside him. I think Socrates has looked a bit shaky this season. Obviously, Chambers can play centre back, right back, holding midfield. But where where is he best this season at right back? I'll give him that. But it's a case of where is he best used? Is it alongside holding? Is it as a backup to Bellerin? I don't know. Don't think it all sort out the issues, but I think it will make things better and it will make yeah fair fair play i think with um with callum chambers who you mentioned there i think he's a bit of a victim of his own versatility at times because you know he 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 will do a good job at right back he'll probably do a decent job at center back maybe in the defensive midfield but because of that he doesn't seem to get a run in any position for a period of time because of the competition as well and that maybe works against him at times maybe you know, because of the fact he can fill in holes, a manager would look at him and think, right, but, you know, he can do this, he can do that, but is he good enough in any one specific position to nail down a permanent place? And I think, you know, we've seen a lot of players over the years who uh, have suffered from that, I'd say. So, you know, from Callum Chambers' point of view, I think he will probably be at some point knocking on Unai's door and saying, you know, I want to be, whether it's a right back or a centre back, we don't know, but... Uh, you know, I think uh, it's very important for him personally that he, you know, nails down a position. For us as fans, I'm happy to have him as a utility man because I think he's as good as anyone at it, to be honest. You do you do have to give him a lot of credit, though, because I think you look at maybe the start of last season, maybe the start of this season, it looked like his Arsenal career, like he was going to be out, yeah. out the door. Obviously, he had that problem despite them getting relegated, but he's really had a bit of a resurgence and he's knuckled down, he's shown his quality and he's looking 
more and more likely to spend £16 million back when he was, what, 18, 19. So, yeah, fair, fair play to him. Massive respect for the way he's stuck it out and really improved. Absolutely. Absolutely. No doubt about that. Um, another question coming in. Um, this one's coming through on Facebook uh, from James. Um, I can't bring the Facebook ones on the screen for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, so apologies, James, but I'm going to read out your question. Um, what are your thoughts on William Saliba? There's another question coming through on YouTube about Saliba too. Um, so I think that's a good, uh, good one to address. Uh, I, I know we, again, we haven't seen much of him, but is that a sign in that excited you in the summer, Dan? I, I think it it's really a going strategy. Obviously, twenty five million pounds is a it's an investment in a way. It was the same with Martinelli. You know, you bring the, a young player who potentially in the future, and that's what Arsenal need to do. In terms of that, we've seen so many times they've bought in players who you aren't going to get your money back on, and they aren't necessarily going to perform for you. I think it's a low, obviously still, as I say, 25 million, that is a lot of money for a year-old. But they've also seen something in him. I'm still to watch him play. Yeah, really. But from what I've heard, he's done quite well so far. He obviously had a bit of an injury during pre-season. But apparently he's come back strongly. It's how he does. And whether it'll be a case of when he does return, it'll be like it was with Gwen. necessarily expecting to go straight into the first team. But he's thrown in and he does really well. It'll be interesting to see. Absolutely. Absolutely. And fingers crossed, lots and lots to come from William Saliba. Obviously, the club um, have seen something to, to pay that sort of money for a player of his agent. And in truth, very little experience. I mean, he didn't play that many games last season at St. Etienne. I think it was about 16 appearances off the top of my head, which isn't a massive amount. But obviously, yeah. he's shown something. So, um Sheffield United is the next game um, away from home Monday night, Bramall Lane. I assume it's probably going to be pissing down with rain. Not the the best place to go um, for, for us. And you know, his. Yeah, I mean, historically, we've uh, we've not travelled up to sort of those areas and had great times in sort of the you know in those type of fixtures. How are you feeling going into that one? I'm a little bit nervous. I'm, I'm going up to Bramall Lane and I'm a little bit concerned about this one. I feel like they're the type of team that can cause us problems. Very well organised, very hard working. Um, you know, they get they do the basics right. Gave Liverpool a really, really good game up there a little bit earlier on in the season. How are you feeling going into this one? Oh, well, I'll be there as well. And I, th I'm, I think it's going to be a game that, really shows us what this team is made of. That kind of age-old thing of the best teams win games when it's going to have to be a case of that against Sheffield United because you know, they come out and buzz and try a really interesting formation where they have three at the back and you see the two central defenders kind of stepping out into And I think maybe we can use our pace to expose that obviously when they're short. But they do try and overload the middle of midfield. And considering the midfield issues we're having, not, Emery not knowing his best midfield, that could, could cause us issues. Um see what this team is made of. Do you expect Unai to go with that that trio, which is a little bit more negative in the sense of Xhaka, Genduzi and Torreira? Do you expect to see that up there? Um, 
don't think so. I think we'll probably see Willock or Sabios play. And just finally, I want to get your your thoughts on a couple of subjects that aren't necessarily um, Arsenal-related, football-related. Um, the first one being VAR. Um, what have you made of the implementation of VAR so far? Yeah. I can see a big I've smile on your face. Quite, <laughs> quite, um, I think it's a case of VAR is not the problem. It's the rules behind it. So you look at the handball rule, contradicts itself. So therefore, you're creating problems for VAR, but because this is the new you have got all their attention on, VAR is going to take the flak. Worked per- it's worked perfectly in the situations that games. So you look at Aubameyang's goal at Old Trafford. In that situation, but it worked does the job perfectly by correcting the decision. Look at the goal. I'm trying to think. It was against Reese Nelson again. He scores, yep. but he's offside. That would therefore change the game. Burnley don't press forward as much as they do in the second half if Nelson makes it 2-1 before half-time. But VAR does his job. It works. The issues with VAR are not... It's the rules and the people making the decisions. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, and I was someone who was a real sort of advocate of VAR before it came in. I've seen it work in other other leagues. I'm, I, I follow the Italian league quite closely, do quite a bit of work on it. And you've seen the journey that they've been on. So they've gone from a very, you know, a, a very stop-start system to one that is a lot better, is a lot more fluid and gets a lot more decisions right. And I think naturally when you implement something like that, it's going to take a bit of time to get it to where it needs to be. You know, by the Premier League delaying it, they were delaying the inevitable. And ultimately, we now find ourselves where we've got the best league in the world, maybe, but we're behind in terms of implementing VAR. And that's affecting the spectacle in some people's eyes. But you know what? Overall, um, I think that VAR is a positive thing. I think we just got to bear with it, give it a little bit more time. And the final thing I wanted to touch on, Dan, England, of course, went out to Bulgaria last night, absolutely slaughtered them. It was a fantastic performance, but it was somewhat overshadowed by some racial abuse from some of the Bulgarian fans. And I want to be clear in saying some of the Bulgarian fans, because I, I've read some things this morning, you know, Bulgaria is racist, Bulgaria is that. It's not a country. It's not a problem that you should be looking at a country and, and labelling them all with that brand. You know, it's a few idiots. We've got our, our own idiots here as well, as we've seen uh, in the last few years. But I mean, this three point thing that UEFA do, you know, where you notify this player, you tell the captain, he tells the officials, whatever. Are you against players just walking off when this happens? Because I'm not. I think that it would make a really, really strong statement. I completely agree with you. I think, obviously, I walked off last night. And I'm I'm not one to say whether I should or shouldn't have taken it. But I think it would make a real stand. It'd say, you know what, we're not putting up this. We're not we're not taking this. And I think there does need to be bigger punishments really important. A lot of people have been putting on social media about how Nicholas Bentner received a bigger fine for his paddy power boxers at least 16, <laughs> I think. Fans, when clubs or national teams have got fascist things, saying racist things, making racist gestures, they received the smaller fine. It's ridiculous. This is obviously that is reserved to Bulgaria 
or nations in Europe like that. It's a worldwide going on is ridiculous, and it needs it needs some kind of bigger punishment to sort this out and make it stop because absolutely absolutely it's definitely not on 2019 almost 2020 and we're still talking about this topic over and over again which is a real real shame um dan thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to join me um dan does some fantastic work over at the islington gazette do you want to let people know how they can follow you how they can follow the paper and make sure you guys do go and follow dan right away yeah so my twitter is is at Journo Dan and all the time about Arsenal and some of the, the other local clubs like Greek football, football uh, down the pyramid, some stuff there for you. If you just want an exclusive Arsenal, you can go, go over to and you can request to join the Islington Gazette, Arsenal FC Facebook page um, uh, about Arsenal, obviously articles and stories for myself, um, just lots of stuff going on over there. So yeah. Yeah, if you're an Arsenal fan, that's the place to be. Thank you very much for having me on, mate. Really appreciate it. No problem, mate. You're welcome anytime. Big thanks to everybody who's tuned in live. Thanks to those who are listening back on the audio. If you're listening on iTunes, don't forget to leave us a review. If you're on YouTube, hit that like button. Hit the subscribe button if you're not subscribed already. Keep your eyes peeled tomorrow morning, releasing uh, my interview with uh, former Wolves goalkeeper Matt Murray, um, who's a Sky Sports pundit now, so you may recognise him from there. Um, it's part of our series where we talk to ex-pros, so please, please do check that out. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow uh, with some more Arsenal-related contact content. Oh, almost said contact. Don't forget this show is sponsored by Loserpool.com.